one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today's episode is sponsored by Try Vegan a meal delivery plan that is 100% heart-healthy, plant-based, made without gluten, oils, or refined sugar. All customers receive eight meals and two sides for only $100 plus $9.99 shipping. They offer an exciting new menu each week that are shipped out on Mondays. Based in New Jersey, Tri Vegan delivers north to Vermont, south to Maryland, west to Pennsylvania, includes all major cities such as New York and Philly. There's no contract or commitment and you all, my audience, can save 25% off your first order. Promo code, capital L, capital Y, capital T, capital Y, yoga. That's lit yoga. Website is tryveganmealprep.com. Vince is a friend of mine. He is an amazing human being. And I have this myself. This saves me time and energy. And I get these delicious, delicious homemade meals delivered right to my doorstep. So try vegan yourself. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer. First, Sapple 23, suggestions for saddle area pain during pregnancy. Hmm, saddle area, I'm assuming you mean your sit bones and in between that, all the pelvic floor stuff. So that area during pregnancy is going to change. It's going to shift. All of the ligaments are um, affected by relaxin, the, lig- the hormone that is present when you're pregnant. So, and there, that includes, there's some ligaments around the sacrum, around the ischium. There's, there's ligaments that connect the muscle to the bone. And so those are affected and that can give you a uh, compressive type pain, Almost, I remember in my pubic bone area, I had a lot of the pubic symphysis was pulling apart and I had pain there. It felt like a knife Um, that was with my daughter. With my son, I didn't have that. So some of it is really dependent on first your body type, like how much um, your pelvis needs to open for the birth canal. Um, If you are long-waisted, short-waisted, if you're a taller person and can spread out some of the stuff. If you're shorter or not, there's more, probably going to be more pressure on, in the bowl of the pelvis and the surrounding areas. 
So the short answer is I'm not really sure of a, a, a real exercise or a movement or trick for making any of that area feel better. What I can say is I think it is imperative that if you're pregnant, and especially if you already have some low back kind of discomfort or tightness or any kind of pelvic tilting, that you should see a pelvic floor specialist. Because I think seeing a pelvic floor specialist early on in the pregnancy is really going to help with the changes that occur in the pelvic floor and the surrounding musculature. So I think the first thing is if if you're in the early stages of pregnancy or if you're if you're asking me right now, like you're feeling this, um, go and see a pelvic floor specialist. It's never, you know, too late to see someone, even if you're like about to give birth, because what they then can tell you is, hey, in the birthing process, here are some things to think about. In the after birth, you know, in that that fourth trimester, so to speak, when you're recovering from birth, here are some things to think about. Because if you're feeling some of that now, um, it might have to do with some imbalance of the load downward, you know, and that could be, of course, there's going to be imbalance. I mean, the baby is growing forward. So everything is being projected forward and pushed around. But if you also have somewhat of an anterior tilt, you can imagine that load is going forward and then downward. And so that's in that area that you're talking about, the saddle area. So one thing you could try and do is like miniature pelvic tilts. They're also known as bridges, but you're not going to go up very far. Because what you're trying to do is just get a little relief on the post on the bottom side of the pelvis. And if you push into the floor and do a little bit of a tip and lift your hips off the floor so you're not pressing down into your low back or any parts there, you might feel some relief with that. Squatting on a theraball, like a, ther- a big ball, one of those theraballs could be very helpful because you could really work on tipping back a little bit so that that you get your weight more centered since you probably are offset forward. Practicing squats like a goddess squat with the the toes turned out and trying to get more of that, the tailbone going down. Those kind of things can um, maybe unload that saddle area a little bit more. And again, really learning how to use your hips so that your pelvis is not doing the movement and the movement is being displaced downward down the chain into the bowl of the pelvis. So imagine the bowl of the pelvis is like a basin. And if you start off before you're pregnant with that basin already tipped forward, so imagine one side is tipping and the water is going to that side, there's an uneven, not only you're kind of spilling water out, but you're also, the, the weight of the water is dispersed forward into the part where you're tipping. So then you add being pregnant and all of that, and you've got that pressure still going down in that same area. And that area would be the saddle area, right at the bottom where your sit bones are, um, where part of the pelvic floor uh, matrix is. So work first on trying to get that pelvis in position and and then moving at the hips so that you're not moving at the pelvis because a lot of times we'll tend to move in our spine or pelvis and our hips move, but not not in the same amount. So more hip mobility in the form of some kind of squat or bridge or things like that and getting the pelvis as neutral as possible, depending on how 
you know, how late in the pregnancy you are. But I think a pelvic floor specialist is great for everyone who is thinking about being pregnant, pregnant or after being pregnant. It can really help tremendously. Okay, Abra Zo. Recommended movements or poses for relieving symptoms of scoliosis. So scoliosis, there's several um, types of scoliosis, but the most common is the S-curve. So, and that really creates a lateral shift where one side of your ribs um, are shifted laterally and forward. And so the side that has the shift laterally and forward is usually the the, the tighter side. And so that's going to have, you know, of its own issues, you'll feel a lot of that tissue tightness that you get when something is being bound. And then the side that is pushing laterally is going to be more lengthened. So it'll tend to be lengthened, lengthened and long, which translates into being weaker. So it can also feel grumpy because when, um, when a muscle is pulled in its not optimal tension length, length tension ratio, it is working in a different way, but it's working almost like a frayed rope. It doesn't have the, the tensile strength or stamina to hold. So that side for people with scoliosis, I've noticed can get um, really fatigued. And so it's a different kind of ache. So if you have that kind of ache on the, on the lengthened side, you need to strengthen that side. So you need to do some of the um, lateral flexion for that side, some isometric holds where you are purposefully trying to flex, laterally flex that side, meaning bringing your kind of your armpit and your pelvis on that side toward each other to shorten the muscle a bit. For the side that is shortened, one of the best things you can do is hang. So when I work with people with scoliosis, um, I get them and I say, you don't have to hang with your feet off the floor. You just need something that you can grab. So it could be the door frame. So if you open a door and you grab at the top of the frame, just with your fingers and pull and then bend your knees. So the feet don't have to come off the floor, but by bending your knees, you're going to get more of a stretch. And it really, with gravity helping you, and then the security of the hands being holding onto something, you're getting a natural big stretch there in that side that is um, really restricted because that's often the side that people complain about the most is the shortened side because it's just, you know, it feels really bound. Mobilizing the rib cage. I do this. So one thing you can do is if you want to see someone, have go to a, a therapist of some kind that can help you mobilize the ribs. Or you can do it yourself by literally grabbing the rib cage and you're just trying to circle it around. So you cup either side of your ribs and circle and you'll hit some spots on that tighter side. And you're just going to put, do a little bit of a rib mobilization move where you just push into that uh, side to make it feel you know more open. And then you come around to the other side and you do that. So you will be experiencing the tightness in in different ways. Again, one could be long, one could be shortened, but mobilizing the ribs will bring more uniformity to the, to the tissue itself. And, um, that's that kind of barrel, I'll call it barrel rolling or circling. Now you can also do rotation, but the rotation will be limited because of the scoliosis, because the alignment of the vertebra. So one side will be feeling really restricted and the other side might be more open. But within that twist, once you twist, put your hands on your ribs and try and get more lift. So I literally have my um, 
clients that have scoliosis grab their ribs and lift up. The side that is projected more forward, you also can hold the front of the ribs where it's kind of pushing forward and pull it back. And that, by pulling back the front end, helps uh, the feeling of being able to get more space in the back ribs. So a lot of it is, is mobilizing around the ribs in a variety of ways. Keep them moving. Even if it's easier on one side and you have a bigger movement, um, you should do both sides and know they're going to be some differences in that. But any kind of lateral um, bending, rotation, and then rolling, some real rolling um, the rib cage should be very helpful. And of course, hanging. Hanging is super, super good. Okay, next question. Uh, Zetine Yogaria asked me, do frog pose and middle split destabilize the SI joint? Um, so frog pose, for those of you who aren't yogis, uh, there are some, I'm sure, is if you are doing like a kind of goddess pose or sumo squat, it's called different things. Basically, it's grand, second position, grand plie. You're in a squat with your feet wide apart and then the toes turn out. So that is a squat. Imagine going and just kind of laying on your belly like that. So you're laying on your belly and your knee, your hips are actually rotated. And that's called frog pose in the yoga world. I am not a proponent of frog for several reasons. The SI joint, sure, it could definitely compress it because most people don't have the kind of opening in their hips. So they'll, whenever there's lack of mobility in the hips, you will tend to compensate. The body can tend to compensate, especially when you have gravity also on top of you, which you would be having frog, uh, it'll pitch your pelvis anteriorly. And that will kind of squish the SI joint a little bit. Your SI joint is has a lot of inherent stability there because of strong ligaments and fascial coverings. Um, and the glutes can impact it in, in an externally rotated position, but I don't think so much in a kind of passive external rotation position like a frog. The reason frog bothers me more is what it does in the around the capsule of the hip. So your hip is a ball and socket joint. And when you load it, like in the way you're doing in frog, you're loading your knees and then you're trying to get your pelvis down. And one, the knees are low on the ground. And if you have a lot of restriction in your hips, your hips will be trying to get to the ground. And in the process of getting to the ground, they're they'll probably drop anteriorly. And so that ball is getting compressed into the capsule and labrum. And that is that can be very, very pinchy. And you don't want to pinch a labrum. A labrum is a large fibrocartilaginous ring that acts as a as a as an extra fortifier for the joint of the hip and the shoulder. And you don't want to press into it. You might have heard of labral tears that happens in the shoulder and it can happen in the hips as well. You might have heard of impingement in the hips, anterior um, femoroacetabular impingement. These things are not, you know, they're not going to occur just from doing frog, but frog is possibly making it worse. And there's, I always look at every pose and say, is there a better pose that could accomplish the benefits that this pose gives me? And I would absolutely argue yes. So the SI joint, I'm not as concerned about in that pose as I am of the, the labrum and, and capsule of the hip. In terms of middle split, 
you know, here's what I want to say. Why do we need to do a middle split? <laughs> I mean, unless you're performing for Cirque du Soleil or, or a gymnast or something, I don't know what the value is of a middle split. So I would first ask you, like, why do you even want to do a middle split? Like, whether or not it's good for the SI joint. I, I mean that, I don't mean it facetiously. I really genuinely mean it. Like, start to question why you're even doing some of these poses. Do Does it feel really good? Okay, well, you can stretch your... Um, you know, the, the inner seam there, that the inner thigh, the adductors, in other ways, that is not so dramatic. When you have both legs out and really pulling on both sides of the adductor, uh, yeah, it, you can put more pressure again, I think, into the hip capsule because you'll probably tip forward and anterior tilt a little bit. And that might end up doing something to the SI joint. But I just fundamentally think these are passive poses. Think of them both ways. You're on the ground and you're trying to acquire some big ranges of motion and there's lots better ways to do it. Here's what I would ask you to do instead of a middle split, unless you're getting paid to do a middle split and then we can talk about it. But, you know, I mean, if you're a performer, otherwise do side lunges and hold it, get really low in your side lunge. I think in yoga, they call, you know, we call it skandhasana, but it's a side lunge, but the heel, the reason I don't call it skandhasana is I've seen a lot of people do skandhasana with the heel of the, the bent knee up. And I don't like that because that is going to go into your knee joint. I want your heel to be down, sit back, and you can triple flex in your hip, knee, and ankle. And then the extended leg is getting an amazing adductor stretch, but you're doing one leg at a time, which has a um, it, it is much gentler on your SI joint. It's much gentler on your back. It's much gentler on your hips than to do them both simultaneously. That's just a lot to account for when both sides are getting pulled. So I would say do a side lunge instead of that, and then you won't have to worry about the SI joint at all. Okay, final question today. Jenny from the Bullock. This is another prenatal, this is another pregnancy one. Jenny just had a, a baby. Congratulations. Postnatal movement recommendations, especially before the six-week mark. So in that fourth trimester, after you've had the baby, you a lot of people are unsure. And I know Jenny was like doing handstands like two days before giving birth. So I'll speak to a variety of people's experience because she's ready to go, I'm sure, if the birth was pretty uncomplicated. Um, but in general, you, you know, you should start moving, but you have to start moving with the idea that everything is still, it's its kind of like a puzzle that has been separated and the pieces are really close together, but they're still not interlocked. And that's kind of how the joints in your uh, pubic area are around the tailbone, around in the pelvis themselves. It's just, everything is a, a little bit, um, uh, not unstable. I don't like using that word, but it's, they're just not quite um, clicked in, let's say. So with that in mind, you want to stay away from big ranges of motion in the hip because you can do those ranges of motion, but because everything, all the puzzle pieces aren't really clicked in, it could end up not harming you, but making you feel like really unstable. And that'll, that'll end up, the symptom of that will be soreness. Uh, I, for instance, I went walking, I think my, my son was three or four days old and we took a walk with my daughter who was a little under three years old at the time. So I have like a three-day-old and an almost three-year-old and we're walking and we walked for like four miles, which was fine. I, my body was, I was a little sore after birth with him, but it was my second, so it wasn't as bad. And, um, but sometimes second can be worse. Who knows? I'm not 
no conclusions are made there. But for me, it was not, it was a much faster labor. And I felt really good. And so I'm walking and I'm entertaining my daughter and like, oh, let me make a, let me make some marks on the ground, like hopscotch marks and circle. And I'd say, hey, hop in this circle and then hop out five times. And so we were making the walk more exciting for her. And the next day I was like, whoa, I was really sore because I had been making these movements with my leg, which is connected um, to, you know, my hip, but also the pubic bone was affected by that movement because the inner thighs are connected to the pubic bone. And so I was doing some action with the legs. So it was fine. Um, I was just sore for a couple of days, but it was just that I, that idea of everything not being clicked into place. I wasn't quite ready for that kind of big movement pattern. Now in the first six weeks, if you've been given like, just, Hey, do whatever you feel like doing. You, you didn't have a C-section, so you don't have to worry about post-surgery. Do big movements of the hips that are not taking you into extreme ranges. So flexing at the hips, extending in the hips, doing some low lunges um, like I do in my lit daily. And I posted on Instagram actually a, a short sequence for postnatal people uh, within, within the month of June. So take a look at it. And it really is exactly that. It's a flexion. You stand up in extension, flexion, you stand up and then you pick up one knee. So you're extending one leg and flexing at the other leg. So it's almost like marching very slowly and then coming into a low lunge and then going into a gentle side lunge and then into a modified side plank. So it's a lot of stuff where my hand or knees or feet are on the floor because that part is important. You're getting information back from the floor into the body. So at the ligaments are still kind of loosey-goosey, but all of a sudden you're getting motor receptors getting like more information from the floor. So that those movements are are good there. So move as as much as you feel like you can without going into big ranges and go slow and think in the slowness, in the transitions, hold the pieces together because they're not yet clicked into place. So you got to do an extra hold. And that might feel really odd because your abdominal muscles have been stretched out. Your pelvic floor muscles have probably been stretched a little bit. So you're going to have to really do some internal, like hold, you know, crescent, a twisted crescent for a minute and think how much can I pull everything around the bones as close to the bones as possible and what you're doing there is some neural mapping and that that map is like you know an old old map from 20 years ago that is is going on being looked at now and so it's going to take a little bit longer to navigate but um, the longer that you hold the position and really think tighten muscles hold me in space. So go slower, do some ranges without going to in range of motion, get weight bearing in your hands, knees, feet, or whatnot. And also don't do too much, right? So start off small and you can always add on, but you know, again, you're coming back. And if you stayed in shape, like I know Jenny did, then those six weeks, you'll pick things up faster and faster. And that doesn't, what she's referring to is not six weeks to come back in shape, but six weeks before you're kind of like uh, released into back to regular activity, like yoga and stuff like that. But you can start doing small amounts of that before then, if it feels okay. 
So for all of you, for the mamas, the new mamas, the papas, the sisters and brothers, everybody, just sending you lots of love at um, this time of year and this time in our lives, which is just so much in the world is happening. And um, it's when I talk about anatomy and bodies, I'm, I'm also talking about the anatomy of our spirits. So I hope that this Q&A can bring a little brightening to your spirit today. As always, I'm pulling for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.